Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This is Chris Fetters of dogman.com, and uh, we're working our way into the weekend, although sometimes I know with Everything that's kind of going on around us right now, we lose track of time and whatnot. And I didn't want to lose track of Washington basketball. And when it comes to Washington basketball, there's only one guy that we talk to to get all the scoop, get all the analysis, the expert opinion from Aaron Beach himself, the head of hoops. Beach, how are you hanging in there right now? Man, we're doing okay. You know, believe it or not, we've got a different food truck showing up every night up here at my little uh, subdevelopment in Linwood. So things could be a lot worse. Okay, so before we get into the basketball talk, into the into the meat of it, so to speak, if we're talking food, what's, what's your favorite truck? Give, give me the scoop. Oh, boy, that's a tough one. It's a toss-up between Macho Burgers and uh, there's a little pizza truck that comes on Saturday nights that serves New York style slices and it's pretty fantastic. So those two. A little sick of Euros though. I've had my fill. I was gonna say I haven't had a good New York slice in a while. Obviously probably since I was in New York. So um but let's get into it. Uh it's interesting because I thought with the signings of Eric Stevenson who transferred in from Wichita State and Nate Pryor, who had been felt like he was committed to Washington for years and years, and they finally kind of got that deal done. Um, both those guys coming in for 2020, it sure felt like this class was kind of complete. Like you could kind of go forth, you could kind of do the roster machinations and kind of look and see who the guards and the forwards and the bigs are and all that. But now we've got another wrench thrown into the works, and we can always thank the transfer portal for getting it done for us. And in this case, we're talking about Cole Bajima from Linden Christian, who signed with Michigan a couple years ago, and now he's in the portal, and Washington's right in the thick of it with Oregon, Gonzaga, all the you know the normal, uh, the usual suspects. First of all, tell me what you thought, Beach, of Bajima coming out of high school. Well, so, you know, Linden Christian's quite a program up there. Um, but, you know, the challenge is, and of course this is kind of the same case with uh, Kings and, and uh, Corey Kispert, actually, who's a pretty decent comparison um, to Bajima. But, uh, you know, small school, a lot to learn, uh, didn't necessarily play against the best high school competition. So, um, you know, that trans- translated to some uh, to a lack of playing time when he landed at Michigan last year, um, even though when he did see the floor during garbage time, he shot the ball really well and showed what he could do. But, um, you know, I like him. He's just going to take a few years to develop. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what the background is on the on leaving Michigan, but they've definitely had their struggles this offseason. So, um, you know, I, I think he's a great pickup. I mean, anytime you can get an elite shooter, especially these days, um, you kind of got to go after it. Uh, I've heard compar- comparisons to Dominic Green, if you're going to look at it from a Husky perspective, um, which makes me cringe a little bit. 
just because um, Don was so one-dimensional. Um, but at the same time, I get it. I understand uh, Washington needs shooters. Um, you know, it's absolutely critical to succeeding these days in, in the modern, you know, NCAA. So I, I would definitely take him if they got the shot. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because you look at Eric Stevenson's situation at Wichita State and you kind of see that mass exodus and it sounds like it maybe came down to personality clash or what have you with the head coach and and in the case of Michigan, getting a new coach and Juwan Howard, obviously one of the Fab Five, um, sometimes when you bring in those new coaches, as we saw when Mike Hopkins came in for Lorenzo Romar, there was clearly a huge disruption in that. Um, so it so maybe it's not surprising to see a guy like Bajima open things up and, and look at another option. If you if we go by the assumption that, that Washington does decide to sign Bajima and they're right at the number at this point. If you even if you include, um, you know, Riley Sorn as a scholarship guy, which he is on scholarship right now, um, you know, where where do you think he fits in? Because he certainly feels like kind of that outside in shooting small forward. You know, six seven, but you know, one seventy five, one eighty, pretty slender. Um, you know, probably work on his handle, that kind of thing. Where do you see him fitting in with uh, the rest of the roster as? as as uh, Washington has it right now. Well, so if we're talking about next season, to me that's kind of, for him to see a lot of playing time, I think a lot of things would have to go the wrong direction. Well, let's, let's be clear. Let's be clear first, Beach. I, I should have made it clear. If he comes in and he doesn't get some sort of waiver for immediate playing time, he would have to sit out a year, much like Quade right. Green had to as well. And Jerron Brooks did this last season. So... so yeah, I like him. You need a guy like this, and this is what's been lacking in the program. We saw Washington misfiring from outside quite a bit the last few seasons, and uh, and so we know we we've seen it firsthand how important it is to find guys that can knock down the three. Um, so long term, I like him. Um, I, I would definitely take a swing at him, especially being a local kid um, and recognizing that he's he's going to have to put in plenty of time in the weight room. Uh, he's got a lot to work on his craft. But um, if he doesn't, if he isn't eligible to play immediately, that gives him that time. Uh, and, and then I really like it. Um, it's, hard, it's hard to see him on the floor next season if he's granted a waiver, though. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it, I'm trying to figure out who he would play and what group of, because he's not big enough to be in the, in the forward group with Hamir Wright, for instance, um, or Jerron Brooks, but he's kind of that guy in a way. Um, yeah. He's probably, you know, you look at Jamal Bay, you look at yeah, Miles Carter, that the, yep. that kind of group. But then that almost makes him more like a wing instead of a small forward. I mean, there's position versatility here for sure. And you could go, if you went with a smaller lineup, you could probably play him at like the four, right? But in a, in a traditional lineup, he, he, he feels like a three or maybe even like a, a stretch two. No, I think he's a three for sure. Yeah, um, offensively, because I don't know, I, I don't really know that he's quick enough or has the handle at the, you know, at the other two guard spots. Right. Um, so to me, he's definitely more of a traditional small forward. Right. Okay. Well, clearly, he's going to be a guy that we're going to watch out for, and I don't know if it's surprising or not that he hasn't already made a decision. I mean, with things not opening up, I'm sure he's taking a lot of virtual campus visits with some of these guys, talking to a lot of coaches via Zoom or, or what have you, and, and trying to figure that thing out. Um, any sense 
Have you gotten the sense initially how you think uh, that this thing's going to play out for him in terms of a timeline? Well, so I, I think a lot of this is up in the air just because of COVID, to be yeah. honest, Chris. And, yeah. you know, you've got the whatever happens with the California schools uh, potentially impacting recruiting on all fronts, you know, across the Pac-12, just because who are you going to play if you can't play the California schools and blah, 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 right? So right. I think this this year is just kind of an oddball. Um, you know, he, he can't wait all day, right? I mean, this is Washington still a coveted opportunity. Um, and so I, you got to believe probably by early July, he's got to make this decision, uh, if not sooner. Um, so that would be my take. And, and, and you know, it's Washington, it's Gonzaga, which is clearly a, you know, coveted, you know, place to land as well and they do a great job of transfers so got to believe that they'd be firmly in the mix for a guy like him uh and then washington state as well so i guess i think to me for his decision it comes down to how soon he can play and where does he project you know out of the gates and um because he wants to play right he's not going to want to sit for two or three seasons right between you know his time at michigan sitting another season and then you know sitting at the you know at an eight or nine spot coming off the bench that's he's looking for an opportunity to come in and and, and make his mark um which is reasonable so and, and how does he fit you know washington or any of those other schools you know two years from now right and the, and the time for him to make an impact is now because of the time he spent in michigan as you said so he he needs to kind of get going as soon as possible for sure now this kind of leads into the 2021 class Washington already has a commitment from Jackson Grant from Olympia, uh, 6'9", forward. I don't know if he's still growing or not, but he's right outside of the top 50 nationally. So that's a great starting piece. Um, what do you think is the next biggest piece in terms of not, not, not a specific player, but if you look at the roster beach, what is the position that they need to address? Um. Well, you know, this season's locked in, so I, I don't really have any concerns or questions for, you know, 2020. It's it's moving down the line. They need to land that next big point guard, right? And ho Washington would hope that's Nolan Hickman from Eastside Catholic. Um, so that's, to me, that's that's a core uh, recruiting, you know, hit right there. That's that's where they've got to, that's where they've got to land. Um, and then, you know, when you look at um, Jackson Grant, he's kind of like a smaller Spencer Hawks. So I think you're feeling really good about that, that center position. Um, you know, he's not a guy that's going to be a one and done type um, like Spencer was because he's a few inches shorter, but he has that similar game. And that's really kind of the recruiting sweet spot is that, you know, top 50 ish caliber guy who can lock down the middle for several years. And I think they found that, um, you know, there's a lot of talent here in Washington over the next couple of years, uh, and I, I believe that there's a focus now because of some of the recruiting misfires um, from the rest of the West Coast. I think they're paying a lot closer attention to what they can get here, uh, closer to home. Um, but point guard's the first thing they gotta they gotta lock in. Okay. Well, clearly they've got it. They've got their targets set on Nolan Hickman to let people know he's Eastside Catholic, as you mentioned, six two point guard. Um, again, right outside the top 50 nationally, starting to really ramp up some national recruiting attention. And obviously with Matisse Thibel going there and being local, they have their connections. The other kid that they've offered as a point guard 
is from Bishop Gorman, where Jamal Bay is from. Uh, Dave Rice's brother, I believe, still coaches there. Maybe if, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but Zayon Collins is a 6'1 point guard they've offered. And then just to roll down uh, some of these other guys that they've offered for the 2021 class, you mentioned the local kids. Um, they've got a couple of, of, of shooting guards in Shane Noel, uh, Jalen Noel's brother, so there's a connection there, obviously. And then John Christophilis from O'Day, clearly a big O'Day connection with the program, too. But then it gets really interesting with some of the bigs because they've offered the number one guy in the country, Jonathan Kamiga, who, you know, we'll talk about G League and stuff in a second with uh, Paolo Banchero, the other O'Day kid that they've offered. But then they've offered kids like Peyton Watson from Long Beach Poly, Trey Patterson from New Jersey, uh, Jason Holt from Georgia. Um, they're, they're scouring the country beach for guys. But again, we talk about Paolo Banchero, uh, the number four guy nationally in the country right here at O'Day. Um, and then Jackson Grant from, from Olympia. You really have seen kind of a, a local flavor to kind of come back into these things. But um, ultimately, how many guys do you think they'll take in the 2021 class? Probably, what, four? Um, I suspect. I mean, this is all this. We keep we keep uh, trying to pinpoint this moving target. And, uh, you know, with the transfer portal, it makes it almost impossible. But well, just four, to remind people, they, they lose Nas Carter. They lose Hamir Wright. Um, you know, they lost Sam Timmons last year. But otherwise, they're a fairly young team. There's not a ton of, I mean, you know, Jerron Books is going to be a junior. Uh, Soren's a, a redshirt sophomore. Quade Green will be a junior. Um, or he may be a senior. There's still obviously, a, there's is a weird kind of eligibility thing with him. I think he's going to be a junior, but he could be a senior. I don't know. I think either way, if he plays to his potential, he's still he's a one and done guy. I think we can we can safely say that. So you're really looking at losing at least three players um, uh, after the 2020 2021 season, I would think. Yeah. Yep. That's that sounds fair to me, Chris. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. So ultimately, when you look at the roster, and let, before we jump into that real quick, let's go back to, to Paolo Banchero, because obviously he is such a big topic around here. His mom, Rhonda Smith, played at Washington. 
He's got uncles that played at Washington, football and what have you. There's a huge UW connection with Paolo Banchero, obviously. Um, it feels like the choice right now is if he's going to go to college, it'll be Washington. If he doesn't, he does the G League thing. Can you kind of explain in, in kind of the way you see how the G League option may work for these prospects going down the road and, and maybe with regard to pa- uh, Paolo specifically? Well, yeah, and I agree with your assessment. I think it's either Washington or, or professional. Um, you know, the G League's a pretty cool opportunity now. It's become viable um, because the the money that they're, you know, that they're shelling out, you know. Um, that said, now all of a sudden we've got, uh, you know, we've got ways for, um, you know, you know, NCAA athletes to make money off their own likeness in college. And I've, I've, I've seen nothing yet that, estimates or projects the kind of money they can make out of it. But at the same time, um, for a guy like Paolo, who has that level of, um, of uh, you know, overall notoriety and talent, um, he can market himself pretty well using Washington as his platform. So in the end, I think he ends up at UW. Uh, and despite the fact that the G League has become a pretty appealing option, I, I think it's really going to be more for those guys that are on the fringes academically and are just done with school, um, you know, that's who it's going to appeal to most. Um, you know, so that, I guess that would be my take. There, there's no doubt that, you know, the G League now is going to be an option for kids where they just want to go straight from high school to the pros, which obviously that hasn't been around for quite a while. I mean, it, it you know, what was it, probably 15 years ago it was an option or 12, 13 mm-hmm. years ago? Where they had that opportunity, um, I can't remember who was um, who was Spencer Hawes' teammate that signed with Washington but ended up going pro. Um, Martell, Martell Webster, exactly. So um, good pull. So you, we had those types of situations where we've seen that, and we're going to see that again now with the G League providing a viable professional alternative for these kids. Um, the name, image, and likeness stuff that you brought up, I think, is going to be really, really interesting, because again, is that going to offer enough of an incentive for maybe guys to not be one and dones going forward? Maybe they earn yeah. enough to to say, hey, you know what? I kind of like the college experience. It's a little bit more laid back. I only get a chance to go to college once, and now that I'm generating some income and I can help my family out and things like that. It's it's not a ton of money, but it's enough to keep things moving in the right direction. Do, do you think that could be a game changer for guys? 100%, Chris. I think um, if, if you look at what the NCAA can do in terms of a marketing platform for a player, if you saw what you know, Zion, Zion, as talented as Zion was coming in uh, to Duke, you know, he may have been, you know, known, but the platform that Duke gave him uh, turned him into a superstar, you know, even if he already had superstar talent regardless. Um, so, which enabled him to sign a bigger contract coming out of college, you know, for a few deals and, and all the marketing opportunities that come with it. So I, I believe that it's a much more appealing, uh, attractive option to stay in school for a year or two. Do the, do the fringe first rounders like Jalen or like Tony Roden, um, do they stick, in their, stick around an extra year? I think probably they do, especially if they're loving the experience. And Washington being a culture that, um, 
you know, really emphasizes that the family and the the city and the part of the community and all the things that Washington that makes it unique. I think this definitely increases, um, you know, its overall appeal to, you know, to that to those players specifically. Yeah, and, and going back to Paolo to kind of put a bow on this topic, I think it's really interesting. I mean, I think the the common perception is exactly how we've laid it out. College, it's Washington. If it's pro, then G League or, you know, maybe even overseas is an option if, if he feels he's got an opportunity to maybe make more money right off the bat and he wants that experience. I mean, you can't discount something like that. And he's come from a family that, you know, he's traveled, he's been around through the AAU circuit and stuff. You know, he's, he's, he's a guy that's kind of seen a little bit of it so far. So I think all options are on the table. But when you talk about him being a potential one-and-done, I can just visualize Washington fans listening to this podcast going, oh, my God, here we go again. The one-and-done <laughs> curse for the University of Washington, whether it's Markel Fultz, who, frankly, I think Markel had a great season. He was here at Washington, but he just he was hurt, obviously banged up. That didn't help. And then this last year, you had Isaiah Stewart, who was absolutely phenomenal. But then you had Jaden McDaniels, who I don't know if he could have had a more up-and-down season in terms of it almost kind of de- depended on what you know what side of the bed he fell out of that day. Um, when it comes to Paolo and understanding his situation, um, which way do you think he goes as a one-and-done? Is he more of a, of a Stewart steady type, or is he more of a Jaden you could get anything from absolute game changing to you know cringing type situation so that would be you know what we would call a uh, a low floor floor high ceiling guy right and Jaden right. versus Stewart who was a you know high floor but not quite the ceiling I think Paolo is more high floor high ceiling um, he's already got a polished game that's ready made for college basketball so, so I don't see much worlds. yeah he really is I, I don't see much risk in him coming in and underperforming, um, you know, he's, he's just built right for, for the college game. So, yeah. Um, and, yeah, he, he – the challenge for Washington and what I struggle with is, yeah, I don't know if you saw that report, I don't know, it was about a month ago. Somebody put out, uh, did a study, and, and no program has done less with their first-round talent than Washington, and it's not even close. Yeah. Right. And it's really kind of an indictment on Romar, which sucks because, you know, I, I really appreciate Romar. But I, I think when you get down to the core of it, his inability to, um, you know, win consistently despite the presence of the most talented players in the country um, kind of diminishes, you know, his achievements, you know, in his time at Washington. Um, and. The question is, do you really orient around these one-and-done guys at Washington, uh, which have clearly not brought any additional success, versus you know really dialing down on those top 50 to top 125 players that um, you know are going to be around three or four years and ultimately win? And I think this coming season is going to be that's going to be an example, like. You're, we're going to be able to see that firsthand. We saw it in this this coming season. Reminds me quite a bit of the 2012 Husky team, which had that was Gaddy's senior season with Suggs and CJ and Aussies. Um, and this team reminds me of that. Um, I remember going into 2012 thinking, you know, this team's got all the experience in the world. They've got veteran leadership. Um, you know, 
fairly talented guys, maybe not the elite first rounders, but still pretty solid talent. And to me, I don't know what you thought about that season, but they totally underperformed in my opinion. So that makes me question whether or not going that route is the right answer and steering away from, you know, the elite talent. Um, but that's definitely a question that I think Hopkins and this coaching staff have to ask is, you know, where do the one and done guys fit in this program? Um, Cause I, in my estimation, based on what I saw, um, Jaden was kind of more of a distraction for the team than a real benefit. Right. Um, did they, you know, how did Washington, you know, grow as a program by his presence? And, and I'm not sure that they did. It's tough to know. And, and I'm wondering too, just listening to you talk a little bit, and we'll go back to the 2012 uh, comparison. Cause I also have a, a comparison of my own that I want to throw your way. But I was wondering, do you think it made a difference that they had two one-and-dones in the same class compared to just one? You know, just one focal guy. Like, if it only had been Jaden instead of an Isaiah Stewart, or if it had only been Isaiah Stewart, and, and if Jaden had had an option to go G League, maybe he would have done it. I mean, For I'm, sure. kind of, I'm kind of wondering if having both of those guys there, even though they clearly are good friends. There was no animosity that we understand at least, but I'm wondering if there was just enough oxygen to have those, those kind of guys in the room at the same time. Could be Chris. And um, the G league in terms of McDaniels had the opportunities and been there last season that they will be moving forward with G league. I think Jaden goes that route you know, 99 times out of 100. So that's the kind of, that's who the G League is set up for, is guys like him. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know, Chris, that's a, that's a really good question. I, I have a hard time believing that their presence together would diminish their, you know, overall capabilities together. I, I don't really see that. I saw um, just a, a player, at least in McDaniels, who needed to grow up and, and learn to play the game and, you know, as much as he was a super talented guy, he's still just a kid, and we all learn at our own pace. Right. No, and I think you're right. I think ultimately that's that's the, the right call on that. I, I do also think with the G League now being a real option, you've got a situation where you can be a lot choosier if you're a college because you I've already kind of read the tea leaves and understand that a kid is probably leaning that way more often than not. Like you said, 99 times out of 100. Yeah. What, what's this kid? What's what's your motivation? Is it just is it just money? Is that all you're chasing? Because that's okay and that's understandable. We all have different you know financial needs, and so I don't fault them at all for that. But at the same time, as a coach, I think it does let you evaluate you know a kid's priorities right out of the gate and say, if he's being serious about the G League, um, how much am I going to have to you know babysit this guy in the classroom? Like what's you know, how is he going to go to class at all? And, um, you know, I, so I think that's, it does offer another level of, of, uh, evaluation as a tool for coaches. Yeah, it, it is interesting. And you mentioned the 2012 class I've, I, or the 2012, um, team. I'm kind of wondering how much this is going to compare to the 2018 team, obviously with the same head coach still in place, because you look at that team and you had three starting seniors in David Crisp, and uh, Matisse Thibel and Noah Dickerson, and now you've got three guys in, you know, uh, Hamir Wright, 
Nas Carter, Quade Green. I, I'm wondering if that, you know, kind of that that veteran nucleus isn't similar to what we saw a couple years ago in terms of kind of getting some of these younger guys to move forward and progress without having one guy be like the elite, elite guy. I, although I do think this is the year that Nas Carter is going to become the scorer I think everyone has seen in stretches. Well, maybe. Um, you, know, you don't, say, don't, you don't have, sound convinced. That team had, no, I don't. I, I'm not. I don't think that he's on par with Jalen or Matisse in terms of overall presence. Now, I, um, I think Stevenson – comes in and, and, and he's going to be able to play at a really high level out of the gates. But to me, those aren't those two. I, I don't think they're very comparable. I just don't see first round talent on this particular roster. And um, you did in that group, even if it wasn't the conventional, um, you know, Stewart or Jane McDaniels type of caliber players. Well, did you, so you saw Thibel as being a, a first round guy even before that season started. No, I did not. Not at all. Okay, but just but Jay, you're just talking about Jalen. Yes. Okay. Yes, specifically. I. It, it's hard to. He was. He had such a huge presence on that team as the guy who the ball was always in his hands at the end of the game. You know where the ball was going, and you had a pretty high degree of confidence that he was going to execute whatever it was if the game was on the line. Um, I think we all kind of came away with a, a a new appreciation for his capabilities, even coming off. You know what Markel did in his freshman year, um, and I think Jalen leveled that up, and we got a second year out of it. So, no, I, I don't think any of the guys on the roster currently compared to Jalen or Matisse. Okay. No, well, Matisse is a one of a kind now. I mean, we yes, we may a, have all we may have all been, yeah we may have all been a little slow in the uptake, but I think putting him in the zone really. You know, it was such a game changer for him. It, it, I think everyone's opinion of him as a defender went up, you know, exponentially as a result. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices... Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What I would say is if we start to work work on the construction of this roster as it stands, it, it feels like just in kind of hearing some of the things that Coach Hopp has said in the postseason and moving through until now that I think he's, when he did kind of the self-scout of the season, kind of where things went wrong, I think he's so wedded to this idea of the of just having an eight man rotation, and then when he kind of got away from that a little bit, whether it was the injuries, um, whether it was the suspension of Quade Green, the academic suspension, some of these other things, I think he felt like his hand kind of got forced a little bit. But it does feel, and maybe I don't know if you agree or not, but it certainly feels like 
he's going to try to go back and go in that set eight-man rotation is basically every time he can. Um, agreed. I think we're going to see him lock in that eight or maybe nine-man rotation. You know, within the first few weeks of the season, you know, you can always get guys time, especially during non-conference play and during blowouts, and, and get guys playing time, but. Um, I, I think for sure we're going to see a much tighter rotation. Um, you know, you've got basically four bigs in the mix, uh, and, and I can't really handicap how I think that's going to go. Demir's going to start, but beyond that, you know, whether it's um, you know Penn Johnson or, or Roberts or Jerome Brooks, um, they all are kind of different. Um, so I, I don't know how that rotation you know bears out. But you've got an awful lot of guys in the backcourt, too, who are going to be pushing for time, and not everyone's going to play. So, um, and that's just, that's the way it's going to be, and that's the way college basketball is and should be. Uh, you, you know, you compete and bring your best, and sometimes it's not enough, um, and you put the best eight guys on the floor. That's what Hopkins is going to do. Yep, so now I agree, and now... Now you have to remind me too. Has I don't has there been anything announced on Stevenson in terms of him being immediately eligible? I haven't seen anything yet. No, I'm just going off the. I, I, everything I hear is that it's happening and that these waivers are going to be approved. Okay, uh, and especially with the whole COVID thing, I, you know, kind of all bets are off at this point. I think they're going to err on the side of, you know, taking care of the kids. Um, you know, that sure seems to be the. I don't know the old. If you're li- kind of feeling the pulse of things, so I, I think he's going to play. Yeah, and so ultimately, I'm not going to include Badgeman in this, obviously, because he hasn't decided anywhere, and who knows if he's a guy that's going to get an, an immediate transfer waiver, an immediate uh, eligibility waiver. I have no idea. There's so there's too many unknowns with a guy like him to even mm-hmm. kind of factor into this stuff. But let's go ahead and say that Stevenson is available to play. We know that Nate Pryor will be available to play. Who is your starting five right now, given the roster makeup that, that currently exists? I'm going to say it would be Quade, Stevenson, Carter, Amir, BPJ. I'm not clear. I, I don't know. The BPJ or Nate Rob, I think he could go either way underneath the basket, you know, at the five spot. So, so right now your feeling is Jamal Bay is the sixth man. Well, that's my feeling, but they love him. Um, so while we as you know observers haven't really seen Bay do much besides defend, they are uh, pretty. They seem pretty locked in on him um, and very committed. But if I'm just looking at contribution, he's not starting. Okay, that's fair. But so now. Let's say you're you're assuming that the five, that the five is going to be either BPJ or uh, Nate Roberts, correct? Yeah. So then, sixth man is Bay. Seventh man is either PPJ or Wright. Eighth man is Marcus Sahonis. Mm, so or, or Ray again, Gordon. I don't I don't know that uh, you're going to have to make a tough um, choice here. I know that, so I'm not sure Bay, you know, is ahead of Marcus. Marcus had a great freshman season, you know, and especially since it was truncated. So, um, okay. So no, let's say, I so think let's say that Sahonis is the six man then, right? In mm-hmm. your scenario, let's say Sahonis is, and then we still have either Ryder or, Rob, or uh, BPJ or Roberts coming as the seven. And then mm-hmm. who's your eight Bay or battle? Uh, now that's a much tougher 
you know, decision. I got to say Bay wins that one, but you know, at times battle was a better player, at least offensively. So, um, that's where to me, I, I get caught, you know, the eight man rotation thing as much as I love, you know, it, it's the goal of every coach. Uh, they always talk about it, but it doesn't always bear out that way. Um, and I don't know that there's enough separation between a guy like Bay and battle and Jerron Brooks, um, to really play one over the other, you know, 90% of the time. So obviously we have the, 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 tw- the 10, there's no doubt who the 10 are, but getting it down to eight is going to be, do you feel like it's at least in your mind, that's going to be really, really hard to do. going to be hard. Yep. Okay. So make, it. but make the choice. I, I, we want okay, you beach right. to make the hard right, choice. Right, is it, right. is it going to be, Raekwon Battle, or is it going to be Jamal Bay? Because in my it's mind, gonna be Jamal Bay. I was going to say, in my mind, Bay brings more of the all-around game. Battle, Battle is the you know the guy who can give you twenty-four points and a half by making eight threes and just go unconscious. Yep. But he's not going to give you the defensive stuff, not right. yet, not yet at least. Yep. He's he's an energy guy, absolutely an energy guy. But is he going to give you everything on the defensive end that a guy like Jamal Bay can? And then I think you also just have to factor in that Bay has been here a few years now. He understands yep. what Hop wants. Yep. No, you're you're right on with what you're saying. Um, I, I think Bay is definitely the more versatile and polished of the two. Uh, but you know, I think Battle maybe he's the guy that you use situationally. You know, you need a guy who's just going to get get shots up. Um, you know, you're down twelve. You know, early in the second half, and you got a guy. You got You need a guy to go get buckets, and I don't think Bay's that guy, but I think Battle is. Well, it also sounds like Eric Stevenson could be that guy. He is, and so that's they are going to be an improved three point shooting team. And he was kind of streaky at Wichita, but um, boy, that second half of last season, um, he shot damn near fifty percent uh, from three. So he he will add a very needed element of firepower. Before I let you go, and of course, it's so much fun talking oops with you right now because it's just there's there's just not much going on, and the NCAA right now will probably extend the dead period for recruiting all the way to the end of July. So again, I don't know how that affects a guy like Cole Bashima. Um, they have lifted the restrictions in terms of phone calls and communications, so these guys can still do virtual tours and that kind of stuff. But there's just not a ton going on, and so it's good to talk. It's good to talk UW hoops as always. But we just started talking a little bit about the roster construction and a little bit about how Eric Stevenson can change things. How do you envision the combo of Stevenson and Quad A Green working uh, in your ideal scenario? Well, so they they play with a similar energy. Uh, they're both tenacious ball hawks um so that's awesome and i think energy feeds off energy um so for that yeah i I think they'll work pretty well they're both kind of more combo guards than they are true point guards um and they do like to score but at the same time at least we saw from quad you know he was able to find guys in, in spots um and elevate his teammates where a guy like hardy really struggled with that so i think they're very compatible um you know, as long as they're, I, I think it's a lot of it's predicated on knocking down three pointers. 
you know, otherwise, if you've got a couple guys out there shooting 27%, it, that brings a whole, you know, another list of problems and questions. Good stuff, man. Not really appreciate it. And um, now that I know that all that stuff's going on in your cul-de-sac, I might have to pay you a visit and, you know, do the social distancing, of course. But uh, when that pizza thing opens up, uh, you might have to give me a jingle. So, uh, anyways, really appreciate you stepping up and, and uh, talking hoops with us, Beach, uh, as we head into the weekend. We'll definitely be in touch down the road to kind of see how things shake out. We'll definitely want to be in touch with you to see what happens with Cole Bajima down the road, too. So, for Aaron Beach, this is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com. Go dogs. <laughs>